Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Soul Talk. This is Leora Mandel. I'll be joined with Rabbi David Aaron after the break. Relationships are such an important part of our lives. They bring us such joy and they can bring us such sorrow. There's so many different kinds of relationships that we have. We have relationships with our parents, with our children, with our spouse, with the significant others, with coworkers, with neighbors, friends. I feel like so much of what life is about is relationships. And the question is, how many of us really have skills when it comes to relationships? Do we know how to navigate the challenges of relationships? Are we aware of common challenges that often come up in relationships? And what do we do about them? It's interesting that as significant and as important as relationships are in our lives, I think there's times where we put so much more emphasis on learning a skill, um, a hobby, learning a career. If we're going to have a career, you know, we take courses and the more challenging the career that we're going into, the more courses we have to take. And yet as important as relationships are in our life, I don't know that we all prioritize them as much as we should in really understanding the deeper dynamics of what goes into a healthy, successful relationship. And if there's challenges in a relationship, what is underlying those challenges? Where are maybe I I contributing to them? How do I understand the dynamics of those challenges? Are there certain skills, tools, or perspectives that could really be significant if I would really integrate them that could really change the quality of the relationships that I have. I think so much of our joy and happiness in life comes from the quality of the relationships that we have with others. And imagine wherever you're holding in relationships, I feel like there'd always there's room for improvement. There's often sometimes we can have a really good relationship with one person and one kind of relationship and a really big challenge in some of the kinds of relationships in our life. So trying to understand where some of those challenges come from and what possibly we can do to ameliorate those challenges so that we can have healthier, more joyful relationships, I think is so significant when it comes to living a life with joy. So this is what I'd like to address with the rabbi when we return. Understanding a rabbi often gets a lot of challenges (laughs) therapists do uh, when people are having challenges in their relationships. So from the rabbi's perspective, what does he see as maybe an underlying common pattern of what the source of some of these challenges are, how we can avoid them, what we can learn from other people's challenges so we don't have to repeat them on our own, and how we, what we can do to improve the quality of our relationships when we return Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Hello, I am Walter Bingham. If you want to hear the news behind the news and the true perspective on world affairs, then The Walter Bingham File is the program for you. We bring you interviews with the movers and shakers, political commentaries, and on-the-spot reports of events as they happen. All here every Tuesday, 4 p.m. Israel Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. And it's all archived on our website. Make it a date. Welcome to Soul Talk. This is Leora Mandel with Rabbi David Aaron. Rabbi, I, I think there's a certain commonality between rabbis and therapists is that often people will come to a rabbi or a therapist with a problem. <laughs> Unfortunately, I feel like a lot of people um, 
have challenges and problems and rabbis and therapists are the ones to see it. And so often these problems are challenges that one's having in a relationship. It can be a relationship with their spouse, a relationship with their child, a relationship with the parent, a relationship with a neighbor. Such a huge part of our lives is relationships. And so much of the pain and the challenges that we go through are in handling relationships. So as a rabbi, I'm, I'm sort of wondering, are there certain common challenges that you see people coming to you with in their struggles in their relationships? And then I guess the next point that we'll get to is understanding maybe certain perspectives or skills or tools that you think um, maybe people haven't thought of, or if people could implement, could really help some of these challenges that people are having in relationships that you commonly see. Yes. Well, yes, that is true. And, uh, it is quite common that people turn to a rabbi when things are not going well. <laughs> when things are going well, they have no reason to contact you. So yes, and uh, there's a number of things, but the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, the first uh, obstacle in all relationships is how I feel about myself. Because very often what people do is they project their insecurities or their low self-esteem on others and assuming that what they said was against me or what they said was uh, a criticism or, and, uh, and, and the first thing we have to ask ourselves in a relationship is, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I'm the problem. You know, we are often talking about what they did, what they said, how, ins you know, how um, insensitive they were. But this maybe, maybe, maybe we're being oversensitive rather than being insensitive. And uh, I think that's what the first thing is to take a little bit of a personal inventory on how I actually feel about myself and whether I'm not projecting on others the, 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 the low opinion I have of myself. Yeah. What you're saying is so, so huge. And I think it's very empowering, but I think it's also very scary for people because on the one hand, if the other person is the complete problem, then it becomes, a, it's very challenging of, well, how can I change the situation if it's all them? And if I can take responsibility in this, then there's a lot more I can do about the relationship. On the other hand, I think it's also very scary where it's sometimes easier to say someone else is the problem than have to look at myself and say, well, this is what I've contributed and these are things I need to work on. And that can be sort of scary to see ourselves in that way. Right. Um, yeah, I think uh, it, we, we need to give appropriate time to building a relationship with ourselves. And, uh, you know, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I know plenty of people that I prefer they not love me the way they love themselves because they don't really love themselves. So how does a person build self-love? I think it's very much the same way as we build love with somebody else by giving, you know, what are we giving to ourselves? Uh, how much are we investing in ourselves? Um, you know, you feel very attached to your child because you, so nurturing and so committed and, and, and give so much to your child, well, how much commitment and investment and giving are you giving to, let's call it your inner child, yourself? And, um, you know, I would say to my students that if you're doing things that you don't want your children to be doing, then you don't love yourself. 
Because why are you doing this? You know, if you want your kids to eat healthy, but you don't eat healthy, or you want your kids to get to bed on time, but you don't go to bed on time, then you're not. And so I think a person should give some thought of what is it that they would like to give to someone they love the most? How would they demonstrate their love towards that person? And then ask themselves, how much are they doing that for themselves? Hmm. And this really does take a lot of inner work, but it really, as you're saying, is the foundation to any, any kind of healthy relationship because the first relationship is the relationship I have with myself. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, a, a lot of times we're projecting our problems onto other people when it's really not their problem, it's our problem. So when someone comes and they're having a challenge with whoever, their child, their parent, their spouse, their neighbor, their, I mean, the list, list can go on. Um, meaning a first step is really, bef- I think the natural re- human reaction is to see, okay, accuse the other person of where they're, ho- where they're contributing to the problem. But you're saying the first step really is to pause and say, okay, where am I, where am I contributing to this? How might I be some of my own personal insecurities? It takes a lot of digging deep might be affecting the way I'm seeing the situation. And how I'm experiencing the situation, not just seeing it, but Mm. experiencing it. Someone might've said a comment which you took very, in a very offensive way. And if you were to have a conversation with them, you'd realize that they had no intention to offend you. And they might even be surprised that, that what they said offended you. But because we're dealing with so much baggage that, you know, uh, you know, my mother used to say these kinds of things to me and and she was being critical. So now I hear somebody saying something that's in any way slightly close to the way my mother speaks. And uh, and I right away it it uh, it it pushes my buttons. I, I remember hearing Rabbi Abraham Tversky talking about how people who are sunburnt, uh, you know, you just kind of touch them uh, softly and they, they jump with, with pain. And, and you don't know why, because they're sunburned. And so too, we could be a little bit what maybe would be, we could call soul burned, which is very, uh, very uh, uh, slight comments could set us off in tremendous pain and we don't know why and it's because we're we're very sensitive because we've been burnt and so therefore something that for most people or other people i don't know most people but other people would not have taken offense to such a comment uh some we might be taking huge offense to the comment only because we are so sensitive because we've been so burnt this really, this, this insight can really go in both directions in terms of clearing up uh, painful uh, pain in a relationship, because on the one hand, I may not be conscious of the fact that when, let's say my spouse says to me, you know, you, you're late again. And I take that as so offensive and so upsetting. And so see, I'm so not the woman he wanted me to be. And I'm not realizing that I'm just sensitive to that kind of criticism because I grew up maybe with a very critical parent. And anytime someone says anything that just, you know, it takes away from the image that I'm trying to build in myself as being a complete person. I just fall apart. But if I'm 
on the other side, if I say something to someone, let's say it goes the other way around. And I think I can never give feedback to this person. Any little thing I say, that's not a hundred percent. They seem to get so upset. It turns into a fight. How can I communicate with this person? But understanding what you're sharing here is realizing, wait a minute, you know, right. If, if the, the person I'm with is emotionally sunburned, soul, soul burnt in this specific area, let's say, as you're pointing, maybe it feels like criticism, even though I didn't mean it as criticism. I just mean it as I need to, we need to be able to talk about things. Then even though that reaction seems extreme to me, as you're pointing out, it's a great example. If I brush back past somebody and they're sunburnt, they might scream, even though someone else who isn't sunburnt would just be like, oh, can you be more careful next time? Right. So, so I, I think part of the uh, solution is uh, getting clarity on what they said, you know, before getting reactive and getting hurt and getting upset and, and just, you know, ask yourself or remind yourself that maybe what I heard is not what they said. And the impact I felt was not the pressure they put, so to speak. They, you know, I, I, I felt somebody, you know, hurt me and they actually just softly touched me. And so I think a person, uh, it would be wise that we ask for clarity. You know, you would, you would, you would made a comment, blah, blah, blah. C can uh, help me understand better what you meant by that. And a lot of this also comes back to what you said, the first obstacles, how do I feel about myself? Because in order to really be able to dig down and ask these questions and have these conversations, um, I have to feel okay enough about myself to be able to hear that feedback and to really be able to process what the person's saying. Right. So as I mentioned before, we have to start off by saying, is this my problem or is this their problem? But maybe it is my problem and it's not their problem. And you used a word that I think is a very common challenge, reactive, meaning in any kind of relationship to any person that's going to be reactive to the situation that's going on, that's going to definitely create a certain challenge in having any kind of clarity and really seeing, as you're pointing out, trying to get clarity and seeing what's going on. If we're reactive to what's going on, it's really hard to get that clarity. Yeah, that's why it's uh, before we get angry, it's a good idea to take a few deep breaths and then and then speak to yourself and say, maybe this is not what they meant. Maybe I'm being oversensitive. Mm. Let me ask them. And those first few steps you're talking about, take a deep breath, even asking that question of, am I sure this is really what's going on? Let me get clarity and ask. That can be so life-changing in any kind of relationship. And that pause, I think is what's so important because I think the reactive part is when we don't take that pause and we just go into, I feel like I'm being attacked and I have to defend myself as opposed to what you're talking about, taking that pause stopping and asking for some clarity before moving on and giving some space, just that little bit of space can make all the difference between feeling closer to the person you're with or turning it into an all out argument and feeling even more disconnected. When we return soul talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Hi, everyone. 
everyone. This is Andrea Semento from Jerusalem inviting you to drop everything and join me on my show, Pull Up a Chair. We'll visit this week's quirky stories, meet fabulous guests, and discover my Israel. Together we'll laugh, shout, and explain the topics that make us say, hey, we've got to talk about that. So get comfortable and pull up a chair with me, Andrea Semento, every Thursday on Israel News Talk Radio. Hello and welcome back to Soul Talk. Lira Mandel talking to Rabbi David Aaron. Rabbi, as a rabbi, you see a lot of people coming with challenges in their relationships. And you said first obstacle is a lot of times people will automatically say, well, it's the other person that's the problem. But to stop and say, how do I feel about myself? Maybe some of my own insecurities are coloring the way I'm experiencing what the other person is bringing t- towards me, which is a huge, huge thing. What are other obstacles that you commonly see when people are coming with relationship challenges to you? Uh, well, one of the common problems is, uh, people are seeing everything in the, from the viewpoint of their past. So they're making assumptions because for instance, uh, I once, um, a friend of mine was in town and he was already in his fifties, not married. <clears throat> and he wanted to go to a singles event that was a worldwide singles event being hosted here in Jerusalem. <clears throat> and since I'm very interested in helping people find their soulmates, <clears throat> I asked him if we could go, if I could join him at this event. I'm just curious to see what they do there and what kind of people come up, go there. We went to, it was in a hotel <clears throat> and he wasn't sure if that was the hotel. So there was a woman sitting in the lobby and he asked her, you know, excuse me, is this where the uh, world uh, singles seminar, whatever conference is happening? And she, you know, said, well, you're late in this like really condescending tone. And he said, I'm not late. I'm I'm, I'm here. I, I just don't know. Is this the place? where this is happening. She said, if you really wanted to get married, you'd know where the place is. And right away, she started criticizing a perfect stranger. And uh, he started yelling back at her and, and they immediately got into a fight, two complete strangers, but they weren't strangers. He represents all the men that have hurt her over all these years and didn't marry her. And she represents, represents all the women that have rejected him. And they weren't talking to each other who they are right now, but they had both projected images of stuff they had in the past with other people. And uh, that's another issue that people have that they don't see people as they are, but rather they see people based on their experience of of what they know. And uh, that's a hard one to get over, but it's important to realize that I could be doing this. Hmm. that I'm seeing people, uh, I'm projecting on people an image of somebody else. So to some degree, this is almost like a next level of the first challenge we were talking about that oftentimes um, I'm seeing things from my own insecurities and that, that colors the experience and the way I'm receiving whatever's coming at me. And then this is the next point. Is it similar that the experiences I'm having are totally my responses, reactions, I guess we can say here 
to what's going on around me is so affected by certain um, sensitivities or traumas or challenges or things I've gone through in my past that then keep coming up. Right. I heard one philosopher say that a uh, truly evolved person hears everything for the first time and sees everything for the first time. But people that are not evolved, they hear what they've heard and they see what they've seen. Mm. Meaning they, they already come with a perception and they project that perception on people and then they don't meet the people for who they are. You know, I, 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 I did do a, a, a match and I guess the first, <laughs> the first day didn't go well. And he said to me, well, she's as crazy as all the other women I've met in my life. So he already comes to every day with all the crazy women he's met in his life. And he already has an attitude and an expectation that, look, so far, every woman I've met is crazy. Sure, this one is too. And um, so that's another really important uh, skill to see everyone as if you've never seen them before and hear everybody as if you've never heard them before. But uh, we, we come with a lot of memories of painful memories and we kind of carry them with us and, and, and apply them to these people that are completely innocent. That's hard to, to let go of, though. I mean, we talk about some of our topics of I think recently we had one of how do we let go? This is a big one of a person can carry, let's say, you know, let's, someone's honestly had some experiences where they've really been hurt by other people. And yes, there are there people out there in the world that can hurt you. Yes, unfortunately. But I'd imagine that the majority of people are nice and caring. And yet that could be projected onto anybody you meet. And you can't open yourself up to seeing that someone might actually be caring, kind and not trying to hurt you being able to let go of that and not bring that into present relationships that can be very challenging. Oh yeah. It's very, very challenging. I mean, imagine someone who's single and has gone out and has been rejected so many times and uh, they kind of come to the next date already, you know, in, in a protective mode, a defensive mode because they're worried they're going to be hurt again. And I'm not blaming them. I'm just pointing out that we, we need to somehow give this person the benefit of the doubt that they might be completely different than anybody I've ever met before. And um, because when a person goes on a date and they've already got their antennas up looking for problems and, 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 and putting up their defensive so they don't get hurt, so then they're not really present and the person doesn't get a, know, get a chance to get to know them because they're already putting on an energy of, uh, of a wall mm-hmm. to protect themselves. And this can happen in so many relationships. It can happen to a parent and child that the child maybe reminds them of their father who was uh, very um, abusive. Um, and they just start projecting that is who their child is, even though the child could be someone who's very different. It could happen with the coworker. I mean, it can happen in so many relationships where we just, um, as you're pointing out, can project certain bad experiences we've had in the past onto the present situation. But I think obviously the first step is having an awareness that we might be doing this. Yeah, for sure. That's always and, important. And trying, to, trying to 
look at people with new eyes and uh yeah to really really look at person and a person and realize that this person is not everybody else i've met and we should give them the opportunity to be different and that really comes back to that first step is I need to do that internal work of really building myself up and, and saying, how do I, you know, the world is, is so many things to a great degree. It comes, what comes back at me is what I send out. So if unfortunately I've experienced certain negative things then I might be sending back out more negativity and bringing it back onto myself. But if I can work on myself to love myself and to see the love in the world and to then project that more, out, more of the love out, then that's also a way for me to change the way I'm experiencing relationships and other people in my life. And that brings us to another topic, which I think is huge when it comes to challenges in relationship and communication. I mean, all of these real ideas you're talking about here really tie into communication because communication, on the one hand, there's words that can be objective to a degree if you see them written, but there's so much subjectivity to how do I interpret those words and what do I make those words mean? And I think as you're pointing out, and this is bringing it to another level, so many challenges in communication might really be coming through the lens I'm hearing, seeing what is being said. It's my own personal interpretation, which to some degree might be coloring the way I'm experiencing what's being said. That's why asking sweet questions, not questions that are provocative, but sweet questions like, uh, you know, is, is, did I understand correctly? Do you mean this? And then you kind of echo back uh, what you, you think they said. And they could say, well, actually, I didn't mean that at all. Or maybe, yes, I did mean that. And they're very flattered because people, I think, appreciate uh, getting an echo back of what they said because it's an affirmation that you're listening. And so when somebody makes a point, you say, so... So you're saying blah, blah, blah. Did I understand you correctly? So that's, that's a, a, a good way of communicating to somebody that you're listening and you have genuine desire to grasp what they're saying. And that really goes back to what you're saying, instead of being reactive to focus on getting clarity. And I think that almost we have to rewire our brains and especially any relationship that someone has challenge in is to realize, I think the natural response is when a certain button's pressed, or I, again, even if I'm aware that maybe I have uh, soul burns that they're being rubbed against, my reaction, my response is to react and maybe not in the best way. But if I can say, okay, I, my goal really needs to be to try to get clarity, take that deep breath, pause, ask if the, that was, that's a powerful question. Did I understand correctly? Is this what you meant? And it might be interesting to hear you know, get clarity. And oftentimes I think when that question will be asked, that may not be what the person meant. Exactly. And that's also a you way know. for me to sense, you know, this sounds really bad, but is that really what they meant? Or is this, as you pointed out, sometimes I'm seeing things through my own experience or through things in the past. And if I can try to get that clarity, then um, it can help me maybe realize more of that mirror of understanding myself more too. Right. And, and a person, uh, should uh, be sensitive to the tone of the way they ask the question because sometimes the tone could sound cynical or the tone could sound, you know, uh, offensive. So if you just sweetly ask, am I understanding correctly? You're saying this, but not like, what, you mean this? That's, that's already an insulting sound. Hmm. 
And that's again, comes back to um, some of our own self-understanding. Sometimes we could be upset about someone else's tone, not really realizing that our own tone might've gone up five octaves and the other person might be responding to us, but it can also go the other way. Maybe it is the other person that honestly, their tone of voice was very unpleasant. But if I want to tone it down, then I can consciously say, you know, responding in that sweeter voice can help help ameliorate the situation instead of aggravate it too. There's this dance that we can really affect how what the next move's going to be. When we return Soul Talk, read by David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Are you interested in transforming your life, drawing closer to the Creator, and uncovering the deeper meanings and hidden treasures in the Hebrew Bible? Then join me, Rav Yitzhak Michelson, and me, William Hall, on the Science of Kabbalah, where we are seeking to narrow the gap between what we understand of our physical and spiritual worlds. So make sure to tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Israel time, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, here on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back to Soul Talk. We are Mandel with Rabbi David Aaron talking about challenges that often come up in relationships, be any kind of relationship, and really getting an understanding from the rabbi of what he commonly sees as what's the source of some of these challenges. Another thing I'd like to bring out too is I think one of the big challenges in relate any kind of relationship is criticism. Anytime that someone is feels that they're being criticized, and some of it, as you point out, it might be my own insecurities. It might be that I have a certain history and past that makes any kind of what I guess would call feedback feel like it's criticism to me. But what can one do in a relationship? Because there does need to be some sort of feedback for there to be a relationship, again, between spouses, between people that work together, between neighbors, between husband and wife. But how can one be, at least on the end of needing to give the feedback? How can be one, one be more careful to be able to give feedback in a way that doesn't come off as sounding like criticism where the person will receive it and feel like they need to be defensive? Well, one thing is nobody, I don't, I don't, I don't think anybody likes criticism and I don't think we need to speak about criticism. I think we need to share our needs mm. because maybe you know, from their perspective, there's nothing wrong at all with the way they behaved, but it doesn't suit my needs. So if a person says, you know, I, I, I need, you know, let's say a spouse or, or someone you're dating, you feel isn't giving you enough time. So you say, you know, you're, you're, you're being very limited in the time that you're giving me. That's a criticism. But if you say, I'm so appreciative of the time that you're giving me and the time that we share, and I know you're, you're a very busy person, I'm just the kind of person that needs a little more time. Is that okay? Is that, you know, can, is, could that work? So therefore, it's, it's not about them. It's about you, you know? And, uh, and then people can, can hear that. As well as, you know, rather than saying, let, let's say you, uh, r- rather than saying another way in terms of it not being criticism, is offer suggestions of how to enhance the situation. So I'm not saying this is bad and this is what's wrong, but here is maybe this could make it a little better, you know, for me. And I think by putting in the word for me, it takes it off it being an attack on them. Mm. 
So this really goes back to, again, this first point of, I need to understand myself to know what my needs are. And I think so often it's so much easier to, to be in touch with things that I'm not happy with, what I'm frustrated with. And it's much harder to turn that frustration to, okay, but what do I want? What do I need? And expressing it in that format that you're sharing of, this is what I need. This is what would make me feel better. And it's about me as opposed to attacking, you're not doing this. Like you're, you're not giving me more time. We don't spend enough time together as opposed to I'd enjoy spending more time with you. Could we go out tonight or could we make a date this week? It's much more specific. It's much more positive. And it's true that the other person doesn't feel attacked and it is feedback in the relationship, but it's giving the feedback in the positive sense, instead of creating a certain negativity around the feedback. Right. You know, let's say you're in a class of some teacher and you find that the class is too slow for you. So there's two ways of talking to the teacher. One is to say, your class is really slow and boring. Or the other thing is to say that I am enjoying your class. Uh, you know, for me, but I can't speak for the other students. Uh, I, I, I could even, it, it could go even faster for me. Is that, is that possible? So therefore, I didn't say it's slow. I just said, can you know, for me, it would uh, it work it would work better for me if it was a little faster. All right, teacher could take that in consideration, but I didn't say the teacher's doing something wrong. I'm saying that there's something that would work better for me. So again, I think the power of this is first of all, it goes back to the first point. I have to be in touch with what my needs are, but it actually it it expresses what my needs are asks for a change, but does it without touching someone else's sensitivities or making a person feel smaller. Cause I think so often when I have to put my needs forward criticism, it makes another person feel less than and doing it this way of saying, these are the things that I need. It's not putting you down. It's just expressing. And people, I think oftentimes want to accommodate. We want to try to live in harmony, but oftentimes we don't know what the other person needs and we make attempts and we try and we're frustrated because we think what's the point of even trying it doesn't help. But if I can do help the other person by being clear for myself, what do I need and expressing it, then oftentimes the feedback will be to can be to accommodate it. And even if not, at least there hasn't been this extra negativity put into the relationship. Um, plus that lack of accommodation. Exactly. Uh, you know, it's just speaking a language of positive rather than negative language. Rather than pointing out what's wrong and what you don't like, point out what could be even more right and what you would like even more. And I think uh, those kind of words and that kind of phraseology and tonality goes over well. People are not offended. Uh, you know, they, you, you, you've complimented them on their class and, and you would like to even get more of the class and you personally could handle it being, you know, at, a, at, a, at an increased pace. Okay, teacher could take that in consideration. You know, that's actually what did you just use the words positive versus negative language? It really struck a chord with me. We're talking about it, just different ways of putting it, because that's something that I'm, I have and I'm continuing to work a lot on in my parenting. But the truth is, it really applies to all relationships that I think so often we speak in the negative. Exactly this point. What don't I want? Don't stand up on the couch. Don't leave a mess right? Don't make so much noise as opposed to turning it around to sit down, 
your plates need to go into the sink when you're done eating. You need to, it's time to quiet down now. It's so much more because it creates a whole atmosphere in the home. But what I started realizing too is, and again, so the words we can hear it, the words are our expression of thoughts. And I think so often we don't realize how much we think in the negative and how that affects, you know, it comes out in speech. It affects our relationships. It creates a whole atmosphere around us. And the more we can within ourselves change negative speech into positive. It's so much more specific, but then the own, my own thinking becomes more thinking in the positive instead of the negative. And then that affects how my speech comes out. And again, it affects the environment around me and the relationships that I have. So again, I work on this in parenting, but I think it's so true in all relationships. Absolutely. Okay. Another question while we still have a few minutes, not everyone, any relationship, you're not always going to see eye to eye. There can be disagreements or they can escalate to arguments. So disagreements, I think is just a normative factor the fact that we're two different people we're not always going to see things eye to eye an argument already i think gets to the point of that's what we want to try to avoid in a relationship so how can in any kind of relationship is there a way to keep how do we keep things at the disagreement level and avoid getting to the point of argument well it's it's the old pick your battles i think if people could ask themselves what could i live with is this worth bringing up you know am i nitpicking over here and uh, I think people need to understand that sometimes compromise is a really good thing. It can't all be your way. And uh, so, you know, I, I think having the realistic ability to ask myself, could I live with this? It's not my taste, but I could live with it. So why bring this up? You know, why not bring up things that are really not negotiable and really are the line in the sand? But uh, there's so many things that people get annoyed about and they're, they're trying to turn their friend or, 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 or spouse or whatever level of relationship they're in that they should fit all your needs. Who says they should fit all your needs? And maybe these needs are not needs. Maybe they're just preferences, but I could, I could live without it. It's okay. You know, uh, you know, like imagine your spouse makes some food and it's burnt. Should you say something? I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure you should, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's edible. You know, have they burnt things before? No. Is it something that happens a lot? No, it just happened this time. So why not? Why say, you know what? Uh, you know, the, the, the soup is burnt. Like, why, why say that? You know, why, why say things like that? So I think we should really, really budget any comment that's negative. <clears throat> Anything that we get disturbed by just lower our level of uh expectations and then there'll be much less conflict because i can live with that okay fine hmm. this is such a powerful choice of words budget comments that are negative and i'm thinking wow that is a powerful way of thinking about all this because i think just like we think of money right we want more money in our bank account we want less withdrawals and I think anytime there's negativity, it's a sort of withdrawal in a relationship. 
And we definitely want way more, I guess, like any kind of healthy bank account, a healthy relationship has a lot more deposits than withdrawals. So I really have to think twice is do I really need to be spending this right now? I'm spending, spending my relationship and creating more negativity. And if I make this comment, do I really want to be doing that? And sometimes maybe I do need to make a comment that's negative, but I need to budget it. You know, that's a very powerful way of thinking about it. Right. And we also need to speak in a language that allows people freedom. You know, it's a common knowledge that with your kids that are difficult, you know, trying to get your kid dressed in the morning. So so if you give them a choice and say, would you like to put on the red dress or the orange dress? So they feel they'll be giving a choice. But if they and, and they'll be a lot more willing to cooperate because you're relating to an essential need of all of us, which is freedom. Mm. So the language we use too is oftentimes so significant in how what we're saying is received and to what degree does something really become a disagreement, an argument. It can be avoided sometimes just by our choice of words. You know, the one commonality I see with all this is that when it comes to relationships, the first relationship I really need to examine is the one I have with myself because that's what filters out and it has such a powerful change on all the relationships around me. I want to thank you all for joining us. Soul Talk, read by David Aaron and Leora Mandel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.